Well, I'm excited. We are continuing our series today called Seasons, Seasons, and this is week three. Uh, week one, we talked about um, uh, the season of the wilderness, the dry season, and, and really what we looked at is these times in our life when, when the unknown is around us or, or, you know, maybe the promises of God that, we were, that we're waiting on are just nowhere to be seen, and so we're in this place of, of really trusting God to be our provider. How many of you have needed God at times? to be your provider yes and sometimes uh, you know we say Lord I need you to come through right now I need a miracle right now and 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 through our faith um, God releases miracles and last week we looked at that the valley season and 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 there are times when we we talked about the good shepherd and how God will actually uh, uh, this this hurt for some people but but God doesn't want to keep you in church he, the good shepherd will actually lead you out of the pen into some danger. And while you're rebuking devils, God's just wanting you to listen for his voice. Uh-oh, I'm already preaching. I hadn't even gotten started yet. And so the good shepherd is, is, is where God wants to reveal himself as protector, as your protector. When you face evil, you have a good shepherd who's fighting for you. You don't have to pick the sword up. So God, in all of these seasons we're talking about, and, and we talked about how in John there's these seven where Jesus makes these declarative I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and life. And he's constantly trying to reveal himself in a different way to us, to, to show his, his, his nature and his character and his glory to us in ways that we haven't seen yet. So we need to know that, we, that, that when, when we are in the valley, we have a good shepherd. Amen? But today I want to talk about the season where God draws us up onto the mountaintop. Where God draws us up on the mountaintop. And I want you to turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter number 9. And if you like to be ahead of the game, then you can hold your finger there and go to 2 Peter. And then hold your finger there and go back to Luke 9. So we're going to be in two places today. Luke 9, starting in verse 28. This is... uh, called the the Mount of Transfiguration. It's where Jesus draws him up. It says in verse 28, Now eight days after these things, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. And now... Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. Man, they went to sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. And the two men who stood with him, and as the men were parting from him, Peter spoke up, as usual, and said to Jesus, Master, it's good that we're here. It's good, it's good that I'm here right now. Um, let, here's what I'll do. Let's, let's make some tents. One for, for, for you and one for Moses, one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And as he's saying these things, God the Father interrupts him. And as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed him. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what had what they had seen in those days they they had they told no one what 
had happened. Now, what I want you to do is hold your finger there. Go to 2 Peter 1, verse 16. Now, what is about to happen is now years have passed since this moment at the mountain, uh, Mount Hermon, most scholars think. It's 9,200 feet high. This encounter that, that Peter had on the mountain where he saw the glory of God. And he didn't say anything at the time, but now he's in a position years later and he's encouraging people who are under severe persecution and they're facing just, just I mean, things had gotten bad. They had been dispersed. And, and so he's trying to encourage them. And he says this for verse 16, 2 Peter 1. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the, the, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. Go back with me to Luke 9. Before we pray, let me, let me explain to you what Peter's doing. He had an encounter. He sees the majesty of God, and it so impacts him, so changes his perspective that years later, he's encouraging a people who are going through a difficult season of life, and he's saying, I know that what you're going through is difficult. I know that what you're facing hurts sometimes, and there's persecution, and there's moments where there's lack, but if you could just see what I've seen, you would know it's worth it. Hold your ground. Keep pressing forward. Keep walking forward. Keep the faith. What I've seen on the mountain is so majestic. It's so great that, that if you could see it, you would know that these trials don't even come close to comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. And this all started on a mountaintop where, where Jesus drew him up higher, as Nathan said this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Your word steers us and guides us. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to pierce. Let it pierce today, Lord. Let it pierce today where it needs to pierce. Let it encourage where it needs to encourage. Preach and teach through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The mountaintop season. Boy, you know... Many times when we talk about the mountain, we get excited. It, you know, it's, the, it's time for the preacher to talk about the mountaintop, right? Because we're in the valley, and it's like, oh, man, there's, you know, wolves, and we're in the desert, and it's, we need water, and it's just constantly, everybody's always struggling. And we get to the mountain, and it's like, yes, that's where the blessings are. And we think the mountaintop season is all about when your bank account is full. Come on. And we think the mountaintop, see, I've heard people say, whoo, I'm just on a mountain season right now. I got a bonus check, and, you know, everything's good at home. Just had Valentine's Day. Praise the Lord. Come on, that is not the mountaintop season that God is referring to. Your bonus check is great, but it's just that, a bonus check. And, and maybe that's God's blessings. But when we see God, you know, revealing himself through scripture on the mountain, calling people higher, it's always with the purpose to reveal himself, not for what he can do, but for who he is. And there's purpose in the desert. There's purpose in the valley. But, oh, I'm here to tell you, Generation Church, there's purpose on the mountaintop for you to see him in his glory and in his majesty that gives perspective and changes you as you go back down. But, 
the valley you will go through. You have no choice. You, you, you're in one or you're coming out of one or about to go in one. Those are your three options. <laughs> Sorry. The desert season, you have no choice. You're in one, coming out of one, or going in one. But the mountaintop, the mountaintop is a choice. When we talk about this today, this invitation to come up higher, it's up to you, it's up to me. So we see throughout history these men and women of God who've done amazing things and who've pioneered moves of God and who've seen just countless things happen for the kingdom of God. And if you would trace back and you would study their life, what you would realize is they had cultivated seasons in the quiet place on the mountaintop where they were not seeking him for a word from the Lord. They were not seeking him, Lord, I need you right now. I need you to save my kids. Lord, if you could just bless me right now. No, they would seek his face. Seek his face just for who he is. It's interesting because with all the new people that have been coming and I've had a chance to meet with some of you guys and hear your story. And what I love about Generation Church is that we've got people from all backgrounds, all denominations. And it's just, it's, it's, I love this because we've got people who literally will, will feel led out of the Catholic church and then their first week to visit a new church is Generation Church. Or, or Methodist, or Pentecostal, or, or, or whatever. And, and, and I've had people ask me the question before, many times. Well, 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 Pastor Stephen, are you a word church, or are you a spirit church? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, so, so, so why... Have we gotten to this place in denominationalism and in churches where we have to choose word or spirit? I, listen, I, I'm, I grew up Southern Baptist. I mean, come on, somebody. Where my Southern Baptist at, right? I love the word of God. I love the word of God. If you stick around here long enough, you're going to hear me teach theology and, and teach this book to you. And, and, and we find wisdom. And, and, and the word of God is just, it, it keeps us grounded Come on, it keeps us on track from just getting way over here and just doing your own thing in the name of the Spirit, right? Love the Word of God, but, but, but thank God that he also allowed me to be a part of some churches who, 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 who moved in, in, in the Spirit of God and who allowed the Spirit to, to fill them and speak to them and actually reveal their own spiritual gifts and begin to activate those spiritual gifts inside of us. I'm thankful for that. Man, it was in the charismatic church that I learned, I don't want to say worship, because I've been in some traditional churches where, listen, you can worship with a hymn book and an organ. Come on now. So I'm not here telling you to pick sides. But you know, but you know the difference between singing about him and singing to him. And when we sing to him, praise goes up, presence comes down. And you know it. And you know it. And so I, I'm like, man, I, you know, if you just so you know, who are we? Who is Generation Church? We are, we are grounded in the word. We are, we are, we are principle driven, but we are presence driven. 
principle, but presence. And so today I I get the opportunity to, to call you up higher, as Nathan said to call you up higher, to, to, to say yes to the invitation that God has for you, that, that to say, hey, there's more for you. There's more that I have for you. Some of you have been in church for a long time. You taught Sunday school and you taught you know, the Bible in and out. You know Greek and Hebrew, but you're dry. And God's saying, I know you've been saved 55 years, but I have something more for you. Would you just come to the water and drink of the living water? Where if you drink from this, you won't thirst. This is, this is where we're at today. It's the mountaintop. It's, it's, where we, it's where we get to know him just for who he is. Just for who he is. Recently, um, I, I was in, well, I was in Belize this week. And, and I, uh, I, I got to, you know, just had an amazing week and got to, be with some of my closest friends, and, and what God's doing there at LOL Ministries is amazing, and, and just to see the impact they're having in the whole nation there, and, uh, and, and I had a great trip, got home late Friday night, didn't see my kids, and I, I woke up Saturday morning, and my, and my kids started to run up into the bed, and I wanted to sleep in because I was exhausted from a week of travel and just going, and, and so I, they, they run up in bed, and all my kids now are in bed with me, and my little girl, Sayla, who's only a year old, she's slapping, she said, Dada, and she's slapping me in the face, and, and I got the other ones right here, and so I got two big boys right here, and I got my four-year-old girl, and then I got my one-year-old girl. I got four, by the way, that's a lot. Like, I'm, I'm just surrounded. Surrounded. But there was this moment, there was this moment where I just thought, this is it. Because my, my, my son Caleb, uh, my son Caleb said, Daddy, I, I just missed you. I'm so glad you're home. And then Avery just put his head right here. He's my cuddler. He just, he just put his head right there. I just missed you, Daddy. And then, and then Riley, she's just, oh, I'm so glad you're home. And then, of course, Dada, you know, Dada. <laughs> God spoke to me. God spoke to me in that moment. And he said, Stephen, you need, you, need to, you need to tell my people the way, the way that you so enjoyed that moment is what I love when my children come up to me and just say, I'm just so glad you're here. I'm just so glad to be with you. And, and, and you're not my provider right now. And I love to be the provider. I love it when I get to provide for my kids and I get to give them things that they want and I, and I get to protect them and I get to come alongside and, and, and tell Riley, as you've heard me share many stories, it's okay. There's no monsters in your closet. Daddy's here and she She's, she's secure. Why? Because I'm provider. But there's moments when I like to just be loved. Just loved. I'm just glad you're here. Period. This is, this is what God is after for us. And if we'll say yes to this invitation, what I'm going to show you is that it will actually mark us in a way and prepare us in a way that when we come down off of those mountaintop experiences, we are so full and we are so changed that we are better equipped to go through whatever valley or or desert that we may find ourselves in next. You with me, church? I want to share a few truths from this story about the mountaintop season that I think will stir us uh, to say yes to this invitation that God is giving out to us right now. This is really what today is all about. It's me just being a voice that says, hey guys, 
you're invited. You're invited. But it's up to you. It's up to you. Number one, I want you to look at verse 32. Number one, the mountaintop is about beholding, not doing. Beholding, not doing. Look in Luke chapter 9. Look at verse 32. It says, Now when Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, and they became fully awake, they saw this glory, and the two men stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good that we're here. Let us do some things for you. Like this glory moment. Like this amazing, like he's seeing the glory and the majesty. Like, Eyewitness, we saw Peter describe it in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, and he described it as the majesty of God. Yet in that moment, he said, I got to do something. I got to do something. I'll make some tents. Hey, Jesus, I know what I'll do. I'm, you better be glad I'm here. That's what he said. <laughs> Boy, aren't we glad I'm here? I think I'll make some tents. And the father interrupts him. This is not time for you to do. This is time for you to be. Mountaintop is about beholding and not doing. See, when I was in Belize this week, I, we went to a place that is one of my favorite places to go. And you have to, you have to want to go there. You don't go here by accident. It's up on a mountain. You got to put it in four-wheel drive to get there. And, and you go, we went up onto this mountain, and we were able to have breakfast. And, and there was a moment where we're just looking over the mountaintop, the, the jungles of Central America. And we didn't say anything. We're just... Just like, wow, in awe, in awe of what we're seeing, in awe of what we're seeing. I didn't have to think about, well, what are we going to do now, guys? Are, are we going to, you know, what do you want to do later? Do you want to, you know, just set your schedule like we have to do all the time, especially when we go on vacation. How many of you know what that's like with kids? Well, you get to vacation, and it's not chill time. It's time to make a schedule. Well, at 8 o'clock, we're going to do this. At 9 o'clock, we're going to do this. But there's moments when you just pull off the side of the road, you look over that mountain range, and it's not time to plan anything. As a matter of fact, you don't have to say anything. You just look. And what you see many times will take your breath away. This is what the mountaintop season is about for us. It's not about doing. It's, it's, it's about beholding. Let me share something with you that you can have right principle in doing the right thing. What, see, what Peter wanted to do was a good thing. He was thinking right, like Mary and Martha. And Martha's busy wanting to do though good things. It just wasn't the time for it. The time was for seeing, not doing. You with me? And so there are times when principle... Like, you can have right principle without the presence of God, and though it's right, it's wrong. In other words, you can have a lot of action without the anointing, and no eternal change will happen. You can have rules without relationship, and all this is is religion. This is religion. Let me share something to you about right truths and right things and doing the right thing, and churches are full of that, and we're, we're thankful for needing things to be, to be done. But truth or, or right principle, when it is revealed to us, it is not meant for us merely to log it in our brain and say, well, I know more now about God. When principle is revealed, it's always so that we can encounter the reality of the principle. Do you follow me? 
If, if, you, if you hear a sermon about John 3.16 and you're like, the love of God, whoa, and, you're, and, and the knowledge now of God's love, it, it, and, you, and you study it in the Greek and you can read the commentaries and you have all the knowledge from, from the text and you have a new understanding, it is not meant to stay that. You follow me? So God is constantly trying to, to reveal himself through Scripture. I shared this first service, but many churches, the Trinity to them is Father, Son, and Holy Bible. Because we've made Scripture the all-end result. And, I'm going to say this carefully, many times has become an idol. Let me prove it to you because you're looking at me like I'm crazy right now. John 5, 39. Put it up on the screen. I'm going to read this for you. John 5, 39 says this. This is Jesus talking to some very religious people. He said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Uh Uh-oh. Wait, wait. You search the scriptures because you think in the scriptures you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Uh-oh. What is he saying? You, the study of God is great. And I'm, man, I'm all about it. I'm, I, I, I'm a student of the word. But man, when I study something, it is with the end purpose to allow that truth to become revelation in my life so that I can add it to who I am. And now I can walk in a greater love because of my understanding of God's love and my ability to say yes by faith. So truth becomes revelation. You with me? So it's not just about right principles. There are times, there are times for Right principles. Let me just say this. If, if Generation Church was all about right principles, we could pack these seats out and encourage people in a very earthly way. In other words, I could stand up here and talk about how you need to encourage yourself and you need to be kind to one another and you need to manage your finances and I could do series on all this stuff. And, 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 and while those are good... You you see, principle without presence has no eternal value, only earthly value. You follow me? So, So for us, we cannot be a church of principle only. That's why I said, I'm just standing here in the middle. And you say, truth or spirit? And I say, yes. Truth. Holy Spirit, presence of the Lord, truth, word of God, yes, knowledge of God, yes, scripture, yes, theology, Holy Spirit, empowerment, gifts of the Spirit, presence of the Lord. Are we a presence church? Yes. Are we a principal church? Yes. I love the story of Mary and Martha because, I mean, we see Martha was busy doing and Mary was sitting at his feet and, and Martha rebuked her and said, Jesus, you need to rebuke her. Because, because she's not helping me. And Martha was doing good things. And, and this is just a side note for some people in here who have been overly doing. You need to be. You need to learn to sit at the feet of Jesus and not seek him for what you can get, but just seek him for who he is. And so I want to come at some Marthas just for a minute, can I? 
your doing should flow from your being. So the more you learn to sit like Mary, the better equipped you will be to serve like Martha. You catch that? We have to, we have to learn to behold who God is. This is the invitation to come up onto the mountaintop church and it's going out to everyone today. Are y'all okay with that? 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What is he saying? Will, will, will principle change you alone? Earthly. But if we behold the majesty and glory of God, it says we are transformed, we are changed from one degree of glory to another. That means the more you're in his presence, the more you're changed. And then principle comes along and supports it. You follow that? We need to understand. We need to be a people who will seek the presence of God just because he's that good, period. Here's the second thing. The mountaintop changes your value system. It brings perspective. Back in 2 Peter 1, 16 through 19, Peter, years later, is encouraging these people with his own experience. This is interesting. He's using his own encounter, very similar to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where he says, I go through trials, I go through good times, and I go through bad times. I'm comforted by the Holy Spirit, and it's all so that I can then be a comfort to someone else. He's constantly thinking of this encounter, this hardship, this trial, this blessing. Oh, how can I use this to pour it out into someone else? He had the perspective to say, guys, his perspective had changed. He said, guys, I know you're going through a difficult time, but you have, to, you have to know what I've seen with my own eyes. If you could see it, you would not fear right now. You would stand firm. You would put one foot in front of the next. You would stay constant. You would stay obedient. You would stay faithful. You would keep praising. Oh, I know it looks bad. Oh, I know that things are coming against you, but have you seen his glory? I saw it with my own eyes, Peter said. It's changed me. And now when I look at all of this stuff that, that we're facing, all the good things, even Paul said, all my accolades, all the things, I count them as nothing compared to knowing Christ. What does he say? His value system has been changed. What does this mean? It means there are times to, to study. There are times to, to understand. But God does not merely want to be studied. He wants to be adored and loved. I've shared this before, but years ago I heard Oprah say the very reason that she turned away from Christianity was because that God demanded worship. What an arrogant God to demand love and worship. But what she failed to see is that it is the most loving thing that God could ever do to demand worship from us. Because the very thing that is, that is the best for us, the very thing that is the, 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 what we were created for, the very thing that we thrive on is his presence. And so for him to demand us to seek anything less would be the most unloving thing he could ever do. Did you catch that? 
God says to you, I want what's best for you. I want the very thing you were created for. I want the right fuel in your tank. It just happens to be me. So come up, come up, commune. And as you pour out, I pour out. There's this exchange that takes place. Don't miss it, church. Changes your value system. How many of you, before you were saved, you valued things differently than you do now? Come on, let's be real for a minute. How many of you, how many of you before you were saved, valued some people differently than you value them now? And you're praising God for that. Thank you that I don't value them the way that I used to. I have seen the light. Come on. Why? Because, because value, hang with me just for a second. I want to teach you something. Value dictates your response. When we come up to the mountaintop season with God and we encounter his glory and his majesty, we see something. Our value changes from God. And so when we go back down, how we respond is different because value dictates response. Let me prove it to you. If I told you that in this room there was an envelope with a million dollars in cash, the first person to find it can have it, what would happen in this room? Y'all would lose your salvation up here. Y'all be jumping over chairs. This would look like a Pentecostal tent revival up in here. People just, people just going all over the place. I mean, you'd be elbowing people. It wouldn't be like, oh, excuse me, God bless you. Have you just come right now? It'd be karate kicks and We'd be going after it. Why? Because, the hang with me, the value that we placed on that object has now changed the way that we respond in that moment. If I told you there was a quarter in the room, <laughs> first, to, first to find it can have it. You'd be like, what are we doing right now? Like... You, you can't even make a phone. There ain't even pay phones anymore. You can't even make a call for it. You can't even get some gum for a quarter. And what would you do? You would sit right where you are. You see this. You would stay seated. You would not be moved. Arms would stay folded. Over here, you're jumping over chairs and you're elbowing Christian women in the face. Over here, you're seated, arms closed, not moving. And the only thing that's changing those two responses is value. Is value. What I'm here to tell you is, when we say yes to the invitation to come up higher and just sit with our Father and just worship Him, not for what He can do, but for who He is, we see, God says that they would have eyes to see, just like Peter, he, he saw majesty. And, and so his, his value of God has greatly been changed. You wonder why some people are emotionless and, and, and cannot be moved even in the most intense moment of the presence of the Lord. They are stuck. They are firm. They are like, I am. I don't care. I don't care what happens right now. I'm not moved. And someone else is, is, is encountering God in such an amazing way. Why? Value. 
value. This person has seen very little, has, very, has seen little, and so they are looking at a quarter while this person is seeing infinite worth, infinite value, and are saying, I will give anything for this. I give my life, God, you can have. I don't care what this person thinks. Get out of my way. I'm just here to worship the Lord. You see the value here. Why are churches full of people who are Oh, how dare they shout out and worship? Do they know where we are? How dare he amen that loud? Well, number one, if you knew the testimony from the person who was giving that shout out and the deliverance that they have faced and seen and experienced and the freedom that they've experienced in their own life and how they've been taken from darkness to light and how they've been filled with the very spirit of the Lord, and they sometimes just can't help it. It's just a hallelujah. Ooh, I even, ah, I'm sorry. And then other people are like, ooh, what's happening? I'm not used to that. I'm not saying that can't get out of control. I've been in places where the attention is trying to go here. That's not what we're about. But man, sometimes there's a response. Sometimes. And I'm not saying you have to shout. I'm not saying. I'm just saying we respond based on value. And and your heart, your heart responds to situations in life. Your value system has changed. Number three, I got to roll here. The mountaintop prepares you for your next valley. Look quickly at verse 37. I want to continue the story. It says, on the next day, this is right after the the Mount of Transfiguration and right after what just took place. And Peter and James and John, seeing the the, the majesty of God, they they literally are walking down 9,700 feet high from Mount Hermon. And now they're walking down from that experience. The Father comes in a cloud and speaks. I mean, that would be amazing. On the next day when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him, and behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him and suddenly cries out, and it convulses him, foams at the mouth, and shatters him, and we, hardly, we will hardly leave him. Verse 40, And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they couldn't. And Jesus said, Oh, faithless and twisted generation. How long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring the son here. And while he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the, what are those last three words? The mountaintop has a way of preparing you for your next valley. Let me say it this way. Your encounter with the Lord, your freedom is not just for you. What happens sometimes down at this altar, and we've seen God move in powerful ways. We've seen healings. We've seen people delivered. Man, I've I've just seen the power of God just, just break chains right here in this building. Let me say this to you. It does not end here. There are some denominations and there are some churches who want to worship and, and dance around 24-7 and stay in the church. And I'm not cool with that. Because every encounter that I experience with God, I, listen, I'm changed. I'm, I, I'm changed, but it is, my prayer is that I say, God, use this change in me to change someone else. 
use this deliverance in me to help me bring freedom and bring the light of Jesus to somebody else. So, so the pain that I walked through, but I experienced your comfort right here, as, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, the very things that I experienced here, good or bad, I, I, now, I now can use those things to help others. Who, who's going through something? Who can, I, who can I encourage and say, no, no, God got me through it. He's going to get you through it. There's comfort. The Holy Spirit can come alongside you. He can, he can walk with you. These mountaintop experiences prepare us for when we come down and whatever we go through. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been crushed down and pressed down and, and discouraged and just stressed out. Stressed out. I've learned when my load gets too heavy, I've learned where to go. And I've got a place where I go, I shut the door, and I just get on my face before the Lord. Scripture in Peter also says, throw off all of your anxieties and all of your burdens for God cares for you. And so there's been moments where I will just lay it all there and just say, God, I don't, I don't even want you to do anything right now. I just need to be with you. I just, I, I just need to sit. I don't want to be Pastor Stephen right now, God. I don't want to be husband. I don't want to be father. I don't want to be provider. I just want to be son. I want to just sit with you. And in moments like that, the presence of God comes sometimes so strongly that I can't even move. And it's this blanket of a, of a loving father that comes down and he picks me up and he says, I'm here with you, son. I'm proud of you. I love you. And just to be in his presence, when I get up from there, I feel like I can run through a wall. I'm like, what problem was I going through? Doesn't seem that important anymore. My mountaintop, my encounter with Jesus changes the way I see the valley. It changes the way that I see the desert. But you have to say yes to the invitation to come up higher. Oh, he won't force you. You're going to go through the valley. He's going to force you. Sorry. He's going to kick you out of the pen. Come on, just get out. Come on. The mountaintop is an invitation. And I want to close by a question that I felt like many people would be asking. And the question is this, what about me? So as I was preparing this message, I felt like people would be asking the question, what about me? That's great for you. You're, you know, Bible college preacher, encountered God. Oh, that's, ooh, that's cool for you. Ooh, great. I'm just normal. I'm just me. I just go to work. I just provide, try to stay encouraged, try to get my family to come to church. I mean, if that, I mean that's a win for me. So this, this is great. So works great for a sermon. Not really. I, I, I can't connect. And this is what I would say to you. There, the mountaintop experience is not a secret club. You see, I've been going to the mountain since I was a 21-year-old, bald-headed kid in the military with no friends. I was, I was hiking to the mountain. I had a desire to be in the presence of the Lord. My title has changed. My pursuit has not. Are you with me? You see, the Bible says, Jesus says, blessed are those. Those means anyone. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they, they, oh, they will be filled. Satisfied and yet supernaturally hungry for more. They will. 
means some, of, some people will not be filled. And so my question in closing today is will you take the hike up the mountain? The invitation is going out. Will you say yes? Will you this week? My prayer is for you this week. Maybe change your schedule and get up 10 minutes early and say, God, for the first 10 minutes of my day, I'm gonna sit with you and not ask you for anything, but worship you for who you are. You're gonna go before the Lord and you're gonna immediately wanna start saying, all right, now I have this going on today, God, and my, this work thing is really crazy and I got this thing at home and if you could just do this, 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 and oh yeah, that thing too, and I'll take a double portion, blessing in my finances. Amen to that, right? Come on, if you could just do that in Jesus' name, now you're ready for your day. And God's like, oh, good morning. Good morning. My challenge to you guys There's more. Let me just say that. There's more for you. God wants to reveal himself. There's more for your life. There's more for him to show you. There's a deeper level, deeper, deeper level of intimacy for you. God has something so great for you, but you have to say yes. Pray with me. Father, I just pray right now for every person here. Stir hearts right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, just... just be released in this room right now. And I just pray for every single heart. People that have been dry and maybe, maybe saved for years and years and taught Sunday school and taught Bible study, but they're dry right now and they need to come up higher. God, stir us to pursue you. Stir hunger in the room right now change our perspective. God, let us see you for who you really are. Now, heads bowed, eyes closed. If there was any person in this room who says, man, I'm, I'm just not even right with God. This is for you. I want you to know this moment was designed in heaven just for you. Maybe you're watching online as we've had many people do lately. This moment is for you. Maybe you're driving in your car. You're sitting in your office at home. This, this moment was designed for you. Jesus has come to your door this morning and he's knocked and he's saying, would you let me in? Would you let me? I won't force my way. I won't force my way, but would you open the door? Would you, would you say yes? If there's one person, say, Stephen, I'm ready. I, I need to make a real commitment to Jesus. Maybe you went to church your whole life. You knew about God, but it's time that you know him. If that's you and for the first time you want to make a real decision for Jesus, just slip your hand up right now, high and proud. High and proud, anyone at all. I see a hand back there. Anyone else? Now here's what I want to do. I want us all to pray together, including those of you watching online. Everyone in this room, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and were raised on the third day. And today, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Wash me. Fill me with your spirit. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, church, let's just give a hand clap of praise. Come on, let's give some praise for all those who made this decision.